Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Everybody, it's Eddie Trunk, and it's time for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday. PodcastOne.com and iTunes. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope everybody had a great, happy, healthy New Year. And yes, welcome to 2018, ladies and gentlemen, and the first Eddie Trunk Podcast of this new year. Posting on post day January 4th, if you're listening to us on the day we go up. And again, hope everybody enjoyed the holiday season. Going to do something a little bit different this week, something that in the history of this podcast, I think I may have only done one other time, and that is a guest-free podcast. Yep, just me this week. And no, I'm not doing it for any sort of selfish reasons. Doing it because a lot of people have asked me about my top albums of the year and some of the highlights of 2017 for me. And I find that we are at a time where more and more people are in search of some sort of guidance for the music they like because it, the, the marketplace is so unbelievably cluttered. I think a lot of that has to do with the demise of record companies for the most part, where they used to sort of be the gatekeepers. You know, it used to be that if you if you got an album and you had it in some sort of a CD or cassette or album of some sort, well, then that meant that that band had already reached a certain level and that they had already made it and a lot of, uh, they had to be of a certain quality. These days, we all know, people can make records in their bedroom. So the good news is there's more opportunities to create. The bad news is if you're a fan, it's harder to cut through the clutter. Much of this stuff, unfortunately, does not get played on the radio. So with that in mind, each and every year, for years now, I've been doing top 10 lists and lists that of, of songs that I liked or albums that I liked to close out the year, mainly because it gives my audience a chance to maybe discover some stuff they didn't even know came out. That's the other problem right now. 
is that a lot of this music that we love is criminally overlooked. I can't tell you how many times I hear from people that say to me, oh, there's no good new stuff out. There actually is. There's tons. It's just that it's not getting played on your local radio stations, and it's not. there's no longer any music video outlets that really play it. And maybe you want to hunt and peck through YouTube or whatever to try to find it in a video or something. But, I mean, that that's the problem, right? So I thought it was more important than ever as we go forward to give you my top records of 2017 on this first podcast of 2018, not only because I want to share with you, but also because this may turn some people onto these records. There may be some albums I'm about to talk about that you guys have not heard of and didn't come out in 2017. And did come out in 2017, but you didn't pick up because you didn't know about them. So that's what we're going to do today. This is uh, exclusive to the podcast, by the way. I also did a year-in-review show on my SiriusXM volume show a few days ago. This will be different. It'll be the same list and the same countdown, but, uh, but different in the sense that on that show, I also play some clips from the records. As I'm sure many of you know, on podcasts, you really cannot play music for publishing reasons. So this will just be me talking about these records, but maybe a little bit of a different take. So if you heard me do my top albums on on volume on my Sirius XM show there, thank you for listening, first of all. And secondly, this will be similar, but not exactly the same. Uh, I, as you know, many of the interviews that I bring you each and every week originate from that show. This will be all exclusive to the podcast. So... We're going to get into it in a second. I want to remind you, of course, though, that I am on every day on Sirius XM Channel 106 volume. As you're hearing this podcast, however, I am on a cruise. My first of three cruises in the first two months of 2018, this one being the Moody Blues Cruise, which I'm broadcasting from. Uh, if you are listening to my volume show each day and the connection is successful, then you know it's going well. <laughs> if you're hearing it and there's problems, well, then we're having problems with the ship and broadcasting. But that's uh, that's what I'm doing this week and a lot of other stuff coming up as well. So keep an eye on all my social media. I'll keep you posted. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is, of course, as always, the website. A lot of cool stuff to do there, including all my appearances on the homepage. Next scheduled appearance at the Atlanta Kiss Expo on January 20th, then out to L.A. for the Big Nam Show. So keep an eye on my site. I'll keep you posted on everything going on. All right. Let's see here. I want to get a little, uh, I'm sure we got to get a little break in. So maybe a couple quick words and then we will come back and I'll start telling you about my favorite albums of the year and some of my favorite highlights of the year. And we'll do a little look back at 2017 on this first show of 2018. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you for listening, downloading, streaming the Eddie Trunk podcast. I'll be right back after this. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Well, here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. For instance, a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Weird, right? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. 
With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with a True Car certified dealer. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy more confident, more confident. Who doesn't want confidence? More confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Hi, this is Ben Dominich, the host of the Federalist Radio Hour. We're a daily show coming to you five days a week from Washington, D.C., where we interview our nation's top journalists, politicians, authors, chefs, economists, entertainers, and more. If you're looking for a contrarian discussion on news, politics, or culture, give us a listen and subscribe at podcastone.com, the new Podcast One app, or at Apple Podcasts. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. We're back. It's Eddie Trunk, and this is a special edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, our first of 2018. One last look back at the year 2017 and some of the highlights of the year for me, some of my favorite albums and tours and books and shows and a little peek at what I'm looking forward to in 2018 as well as we run it down for you this week. The Probably, as I was saying earlier, the, the second only ever guest-free Eddie Trunk podcast, and it's exclusive to this podcast. So enjoy, and thank you guys for listening and downloading our new episodes, which post every Thursday on PodcastOne.com and iTunes. So here is, uh, I'll start off with giving you my top 10 albums of the year. And before I do, I will say this, I did not think this was a great, great year for new music. I thought that there was some 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 real good moments, but overall, you know, a lot of times I struggled to, to cut my list to just ten favorite albums of the year. This year, it wasn't that difficult because I really came up with only about ten or twelve that I thought would have been worthy of making the list. So I thought it was a little bit of a down year, maybe because some bands that I love and have made consistently new music didn't release new music in twenty seventeen. But these are the records that moved me and impacted me and I thought were worth mentioning and talking about in 2017. And there's one little asterisk about this, which we'll get to a little bit later on in this countdown, which I'll explain to you. So we'll start off at number 10. And at number 10, I had the latest album from the band Iced Earth called Incorruptible. Iced Earth is a band that's been at it now for, what, 20 years, maybe more? John Schaefer, of course, the the leader of the band, made a great album about, what, 10, 12 years ago called The Glorious Burden with Tim Ripper Owens on vocals, and a lot of great records since then. And Iced Earth is interesting because they certainly have their fans, and, and they've certainly done quite well, especially outside of America, but they are still a little bit of an underground thing, especially here in the U.S., and I never quite understood why they've made consistently strong albums. If you're into classic-sounding metal, they certainly channel the best of Maiden and Priest in what they do. And uh, I thought their latest album was real, real strong, called Incorruptible. So that's what I had from Iced Earth in the number 10 spot, kicking off my countdown. Iced Earth getting ready to do some touring in the U.S. as well. So getting a, in 2018, we'll get another a shot at seeing some new mu- music from these guys played live because they do get ready, are, are planning on doing another run. Uh, the number nine album for me of the year 
was the latest album from Living Color, the album called Shade. Living Color on this new album really channeled their blues. One of my favorite tracks on it is a cover of a Robert Johnson blues song called Preaching Blues, where Vernon Reed just crushes. So Living Color, another band that, hey, when you think of them, let's be honest, the the immediate thought is Cult of Personality and the Vivid album. But they got back together a number of years ago. They've made some solid records, but this new one, Shade, is really exceptional. Corey Glover, still a tremendous vocalist. Vernon, a brilliant player. And uh, Doug and Will, an unbelievable rhythm section. I mean, these guys are phenomenal musicians. But I love the fact that they put a little bit of a toe into the more bluesy side of things to the point that they even covered, like I said, a Robert Johnson tune, Preaching Blues. And Living Color did some touring right on the road when this album was released in 2017 and hopefully more in 2018 as well. Check it out at number nine, Shade from Living Color. Number eight album of the year for me, Mastodon, Emperor of Sand. This is a band that has certainly changed their sound and evolved over the years since they first came out. I am much more into what Mastodon does now than what they did earlier in their career. I love the fact that they've gotten more melodic. I love the fact that there's more singing versus screaming. Earlier on, they were a little bit more proggy. Now they're more about four-minute songs, great riffs, and some cool vocals as well. Emperor of Sand from Mastodon, a concept record about dealing with cancer and obviously a heavy subject matter, something that um, some of the members of the band had family members that were dealing with. And there's some killer, killer riffs on this record. And Troy Sanders and, uh, and Braun trading off on vocals. As they'll tell you themselves, they don't really have a designated singer. They, they kind of just sing by default. But I think one of the things that I like most about what Mastodon has done is paid more attention to vocals, paid more attention to melody, and that is personally up my alley. So last couple records they've made I like a lot, including this new one, Emperor of Sand, killer tracks like Sultan's Curse and Show Yourself. Check that out when you get a chance. Number eight, Mastodon. Number seven record for me. Speaking of great vocals, this is a guy that has many sides to the vocals that he performs. What he does in the band Stone Sour, radically different than how he sings in the band Slipknot. Both bands very successful, Slipknot even more so. When it comes to Corey Taylor, with all respect to Slipknot, who I certainly respect their heaviness and what they do. As a matter of fact, Slipknot released a concert film called Day of the Gusano in 2017, that even if you are not such a huge fan of the band, is definitely worth checking out. It's really cool. Incredibly well shot as well. But Stone Sour is a little bit more up my alley in terms of the music that Corey Taylor makes between his two main bands. Because Stone Sour, again, is where Corey sings more than screams, and there's a great degree of melody in the music as well. The album was co-produced by a friend and one of my favorite guys working in that end of the business, Jay Rustin. And the album is called Hydrograd, the latest album from Stone Sour to come out in 2017. Just a killer record. There's a song on the record called Song Number 3 that, if there was any justice, would have been an out-and-out smash tune. Just a, a huge hook. 
and uh, Stone Sour continuing to do some touring as well. Hydrograd, just a killer record. Great performances, great singing by Corey. And the last Stone Sour album, real good as well, which was a double studio record. This one, a single one, but certainly, certainly some great stuff. Check it out. Hydrograd from Stone Sour at number seven. Number six, this is a bit surprising, and this came into my radar or onto my radar Kind of late, to be honest with you, but I really liked what these guys were doing. You know, we're always looking for these younger artists, these up-and-coming younger artists that channel the old-school sound. And there's becoming a movement for that lately, which is really good to see. This record dropped on my desk literally uh, maybe a month or two ago. The band is from Helsinki, Finland. They are called Santa Cruz. And from what I can see, this is their third album, I believe, called Bad Blood Rising. Now, if you are one of these older rock fans that commiserate about the fact that, you know, there's no new great young rock band sounding like what I want them to sound like and production and guitar solos and vocals, well, then check out Santa Cruz because that is exactly what this band does. The production, which is done by the guitar player, is really good. Blazing guitar solos, huge choruses, and really fun up-tempo music. And uh, I don't know a ton about them beyond that. I do know they opened some shows here in the U.S., I think, for Sebastian Bach at one point, which kind of makes sense because there's a skid row sort of quality to what they do as well. Judging from the photos in the booklet to the CD, they certainly look like they are definitely younger. And as I said, they are from Finland, which is where Hanoi Rocks hails from, and there's a little bit of that in their sound as well. So for all of you guys who are always out there asking me about newer bands that have a, an old-school sort of sound, I would highly recommend checking out Santa Cruz. Bad Blood Rising is their 2017 release. And now we get into the top five. And in the number five spot, Black Star Riders and their album, Heavy Fire. It is baffling to me why Black Star Riders do not have more of a following and awareness in the U.S. Now, they don't really work their records all that hard in the U.S., if I'm going to be honest. Not the band so much, but the label, meaning that they don't go after radio airplay here, even though they are a band that certainly could get it in some circles. But that's a bigger conversation, and that's a whole other issue, because rock radio airplay in America is so biased against bands made up of older guys that even if you're making music that should be on rock radio, some record labels won't even bother promoting it because they know they don't have a chance in hell no matter how good it is. And I think, unfortunately, because Black Star Riders' roots were in Thin Lizzy and they started out under the name Thin Lizzy, that they are just going to be written off for being older guys and are not making relevant new music, which is a shame because they've released consistently some great albums, including their new one, Heavy Fire. This band, which, like I said, started out as Thin Lizzy, they don't they don't even do Thin Lizzy songs live anymore. They now have three albums of original material and are focused predominantly on that. Every once in a while, they'll do a show or two under the name Thin Lizzy and play all Lizzy stuff, but now they are an original band. And there is hope for more awareness for Black Star Riders because in 2018, 
they are going to be once again touring with Judas Priest as the opening act, one of two opening acts along with Saxon. So I hope that gives a little more awareness, a little bit of shot in the arm for Black Star Riders. It certainly can't hurt. Kudos to Priest for taking them out again. Much of the work this band has done up to this point has taken place in Europe. Now they're finally getting to do some stuff in America, which hopefully will give a a new coat of paint on Black Star Riders' album, Heavy Fire, my number five album of 2017. And number four, a band that (laughs) is truly remarkable in that they started back in the 70s. They still have three quarters of the original lineup. They still have a singer who hasn't aged seemingly a day and who could still sing circles around most. And like I said, they've been doing it 40 years. I'm talking about Cheap Trick. It's amazing what Cheap Trick is doing right now, how incredibly prolific they are. They released two albums in 2017. Their first ever Christmas record and a studio record called We're All All Right. And they certainly are all all right. Because if you've seen Cheap Trick live lately, if you've listened to their new record, there's more energy There's more going on than bands half their age. It's truly, truly incredible. And let's be honest, a band like Cheap Trick could easily just trade on their past and be done with it. But they don't. They consistently make new music, much of it very good. We're all all right. Their 2017 album may be the best in a long time that they've made. They're constantly out there touring. They're constantly playing. And as I said, the X factor here is Robin Zander. The guy is ridiculous. Still one of the best singers out there. Still looks like the cover of Budokan. (laughs) It's just not right. Guy made a deal with the devil, I'm convinced. Some great songs on this record. And energy is the word. Some of these bands, when they get this, you know, they get this many years up there, you, you feel just, a lack of energy in the music and the attack and the delivery. And you don't get that at all with cheap trick. It's just great stuff. We're all, all right from cheap trick at the uh, number four hole in my albums of 2017 at number three. You know, I hear a lot from you guys and I feel it too. I'm kind of over all of these assembled sort of super groups and bands coming together and record labels or managers throwing three or four musicians together and putting out a record, but there's really nothing behind it. It doesn't feel like a band. It's not real. They never do a live show. I'm with you. I hear from you guys all the time about that and that issue. And I understand it. And uh, I think it's, kind of crowds the marketplace a little bit as well and isn't such a great idea. But every once in a while, you get some that are really special, that make really good records, and that you feel really might have a history and a shelf life. And the band in my number three position is one of those sort of assembled bands that is really a band that was put together by a guy who quite frankly, has a lot of bands and 
to some people, catches some heat for having so many bands, but as he'll tell you, he doesn't really care. And that's my good friend, Mike Portnoy. So what happened here is that the Winery Dogs and Richie Kotzen kind of split up, and and I don't mean that in the sense that they're done or anything like that, but Kotzen decided he was going to make a new solo record and went out and toured it and now is making another new solo record. Everything is cool with these guys. They're still on good terms. The Winery Dogs totally still continue, uh, plan to continue. It's probably still going to be a little while, though, before they do. But that band is not, contrary to what some people think, totally done. But Kotzen went back to doing solo stuff. And as a result, Mike Portnoy and Billy Sheehan, the other two-thirds of the Winery Dogs, decided, well, we got to put something together. So they did. And they called Bumblefoot on guitar, Derek Sherinian on keys, another former Dream Theater member, and Jeff Scott Soto on vocals, and put together a band called Sons of Apollo. Now, initially, when this record was uh, being promoted, there was a lot of talk about it being a progressive rock record, which would make sense considering the players involved. And there are certainly progressive moments on this record, don't get me wrong. There's a couple 10, 11-minute songs on here. And the playing, as you would expect, is also unbelievable. But what I like about this record is there are also some great straight-up hard rock moments on the record as well. It isn't just a wank fest. <laughs> it really is a great, some great songs, some great singing by Jeff Scott Soto. And like I said, amazing playing. And the production killer as well. The band is called Sons of Apollo. Psychotic Symphony is the name of the record. And it takes you in a lot of directions. But what I like most about it is just the meat and potatoes, hard rock aspect of it as well. There's a song on the record called Alive that if there was any justice would also be on the radio right now. And it's cool to see Jeff Scott Soto get a little bit of a bigger platform for what he does. Of course, he also sings in Trans-Siberian Orchestra, has a solo thing as well. And it's also kind of cool for Bumblefoot, who many people know Bumble for his time in Guns N' Roses. Not as many know him for his solo work, which is kind of a little bit all over the map at times. But this is really, I think, a great platform for people to hear the incredible brilliance of Bumblefoot as a lead guitar player, where where he's a piece of something. Whereas Guns N' Roses, I mean... On Chinese Democracy, I think he plays on one or two tracks, and of course he people saw him play live with them. But this is really, I think, a great opportunity to to showcase him if you take a listen to this record. It's pretty remarkable, his playing. So I think for those two guys, it's a, it's a great platform as well. And they are making their live debut, and this is a band that they know what – you guys and others say that, well, these, this band will never last. They'll break up too. Well, to that end, they are going to make their live debut next month on the Cruise to the Edge, the Progressive Rock Cruise, which I'll be broadcasting on, as well as playing the Monsters of Rock Cruise pre-party. So that's going to launch it all for Sons of Apollo, and then they're going to get out there and do shows. So they absolutely have carved out and cleared the year of 2018 this year to showcase this band and do live shows, and I'm looking forward to seeing them. Number three in my top ten of 2017, Sons of Apollo, Psychotic Symphony. My number two album 
of the year is a reunion record. A reunion that a lot of people never thought would see the day. The reunion of Phil Lewis and Tracy Guns coming together with one L.A. Guns. (laughs) If you remember... L.A. Guns were really one of the original bands to do the two versions of a band thing. And they were very much warring factions. I know from having both sides on that metal show back in the day, and there were articles and stories and discussions about it, and certainly some serious disagreements between these guys, Tracy and Phil. Phil Lewis makes the decision to let Steve Riley go. Steve Riley was the the issue with Tracy Gunn, so he dismissed Steve Riley. The band comes together. They maintain, interestingly enough, Michael Grant, who at the time was Tracy Gunn's guitar uh, replacement in Phil Lewis's version of the band. Follow along here. And become a two-guitar band. Tracy produces this record called The Missing Piece, and they've made a tremendous record together. If you are into raw, sleazy, guitar-driven hard rock, this is a great record. And Phil Lewis, who I believe is now in his early 60s, is maybe one of the most underrated singers in rock. I always loved Phil's voice going back to a band he had way before L.A. Guns called Girl with Phil Collin. I always loved his voice. And I've seen L.A. Guns a lot recently, and it's amazing how well Phil Lewis still sings. And the band sounds incredible, especially with the two guitars. And kudos to Tracy Guns for... You know, he could have easily looked at all the other guys that were in Phil's version of the band and cast them out. He kept the guy Phil was using to replace him in the band, and I think it was a really smart move because Michael Grant brings a whole different approach. He's a much younger guy, and they've given him a great spotlight as well, coming together and kind of bringing the piece as in the missing piece. So it's a really great record from L.A. Guns. A lot of cool sides to it, but again, at its core, if you are into straight-up, kick-ass, hard rock, this is really a killer album. And go see them live if you get an opportunity, because again, they are so, so good right now. L.A. Guns, The Missing Piece, P-E-A-C-E, is my number two album of 2017, and... And here's where it gets a little interesting. It's also, the for me then, the number one album that actually came out in 2017 in my top albums of 2017 because, and I thought long and hard about this, but I figured, hey, it's my list. I'm doing it anyway. Because my number one album of 2017 actually came out in 2016. Now, you could say, well, that's not right. What are you doing that for? That should not fair. And Well, you know what? Call me crazy. I don't care. (laughs) Because I really thought about this, and I was like, you know, this this is my list 
of my favorite albums of 2017. This album came on my radar in 2017, even though it was released in 2016. This album and this band had its biggest impact on me and made its mark on me in 2017. So if it's my favorite albums of 2017, who cares that it came out a year earlier? It was the year that they registered on my radar, so I'm putting them at number one, and I am. And the band I'm talking about is from the UK, and they are called The Struts. And the reason why I decided to include this record called Everybody Wants It, number one, even though I am well aware it didn't come out in 17, is because I feel, A, it's important, and as I said earlier, it made its mark on me. In 2017, I had always been aware of the struts. I had seen a couple of their music videos. I had never seen them live and I did not have a complete record from them. And people that know me know that I really like to have a complete record in, in CD form before I can really feel like I'm connecting with music. And The story goes that a few months ago I was in New Orleans where I was shooting an episode of this new TV show I have coming this year called Trunk Fest at Voodoo Fest. And I was contacted by my friend comedian Craig Gass who told me that the Struts were performing at the House of Blues in New Orleans while I was there and that he was doing a comedy set to open for them and I should come by. So I explained to Craig that I was working at Voodoo Fest, but if I could get over there in time, I would try to catch a few songs. And Craig put me on the list and said, try to make it. So I wrapped up at Voodoo Fest. I got back to my hotel. I ran over to the House of Blues. And when I got there, I caught maybe the last four to five songs of the Struts. And I was floored. We talk all the time about looking for the next great rock bands, which younger bands will give the rock scene a shot in the arm, who can do it. And I walked out of there after seeing just four or five songs feeling like the Struts could be that band. Why? Well, they appeal to a wide range of rock fans. The audience was everybody from people that looked to be 15 to people that looked 60. They were singing every song. The place was relatively full, especially when you considered that they were up against a major festival in that city that day. And the band was instantly fun to listen to, instantly great hooky songs, and just tremendous performance. And their singer, Luke Spiller, is just a a very flamboyant, great frontman singer. And they just had the crowd. These people were consumed with what they were doing and and singing along to every word. And I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. This, this, something came over me. This could be it. Maybe this is the band we've all been hoping for. To give rock a kick in the pants. They encapsulate so much of the British rock from the 70s, the the immediate comparison with the Struts is Queen because their singer looks a little bit like Freddie Mercury and has some of his same mannerisms and stage performances and even the way he he, uh, sings at times. But 
Dig a little deeper with the struts, and you'll see there's also a lot of T-Rex and Mott the Hoople and Slade and just all that great 70s British rock. You know, I wonder, as I'm sitting here talking to you guys, and i got to ask Joe Elliott about the struts, because all the music that Joe Elliott champions from the 70s that he loves so much, to me, Joe Elliott should love the struts. I don't know if he does. I don't know where he stands on them. But just in what I just said, I mean, I, he, he, this would be so up his alley. I'm sure he's aware of them. And I don't know where the struts sit in their own native England. I know they've moved to L.A. or have a base in L.A. They're, they've opened for Motley Crue. They are recently opening shows for the Foo Fighters. They're doing their own headline club shows as well. I met a few of the guys after the show very briefly. I was really floored by the show. And on my way out, I asked for a copy of the CD. Their only full-length record right now is called Everybody Wants, which my understanding is it's a a compilation of earlier things they had done before they were signed. My understanding is that in 2018, the Struts will release a brand-new studio record, which I cannot wait for. But I took a copy of Everybody Wants, and it has not left my CD player and or iPod since. It is, I talk about this all the time. You can have a million amazing musicians in the band. If they can't write a song, who cares? I don't. It's all about songwriting to me. It always was. To me, that is the number one quality you can have. Can you write great songs? Do you write great songs? And the Struts have great songs. It's as simple as that. Yes, they've got playing. They've got production. They've got a look. They've got all the intangibles. But they've got great songs. Three, three and a half, four-minute songs. Stick in your head like glue. Great choruses. Great production. I think the band's phenomenal. I love the record. They have given me hope and inspiration that they can be the band that kicks Rock's ass and gets it in the conversation because I think what they can do and I hope what they can do is get on the radio, cross over to a lot of different formats, appeal to a lot of people and get Rock back into the big conversation again. I know that's a lot of pressure. I had their singer Luke Spiller on my Sirius XM show in 2017 and I told him how I felt and he was aware of it and he he, he says a good He has a good attitude about it. He's like, yeah, bring it on. We want to be that band, of course, which I thought was really cool. So we'll see if that happens. We'll see what 2018 brings for this band. They are my band to watch. They are the band that I am most excited about of all the newer bands that I've heard or seen. And their album, Everybody Wants, as I said, even though I am fully aware it came out in 2016, I am still putting it in my number one spot of albums of the year because 2017 was the year that it impacted me. And as I said earlier, this is all about sharing music with people and inspiring them to go out and seek it out. And to that end, if there are people listening to me right now that do not know this band or hadn't heard of this band or any of the bands I just ran down on this top 10, well, that then I've done my job because I've gotten the word out. So I wasn't going to let the difference of a year take away from what was probably the most impactful 
moment for me as a rock fan, seeing and getting the album from the Struts in 2017. So there you go. At 10, Iced Earth. At 9, Living Color. At 8, Mastodon. At 7, Stone Sour. At 6, Santa Cruz. At 5, Black Star Riders. At 4, Cheap Trick. At 3, Sons of Apollo. At 2, L.A. Guns. At 1, The Struts. My top 10 albums of the year. few honorable mentions here. They would include Lynch Mob. Solid record called The Brotherhood. Deep Purple's album, Infinite. Alice Cooper's album, Paranormal, featuring some original members. Black Country Communion, BCC4. Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown, another young artist to keep an eye open for. A young blues, bluesy guitar player singer. And Richie Sambora and Orianti, they've been putting out this series of EPs, which again, I, I don't I personally don't like when bands do that. I just want a full record. Again, I know I'm old school, but still. And I have not heard the EPs or what's on them, but the reason why I'm mentioning that is because Richie and Ori played me some of the music they were working on in LA a year ago, and it really blew me away. So if that's some of the stuff on those EPs, which I don't have yet, I would absolutely uh say that that was some pretty cool stuff. I know that they're doing poppy stuff and harder stuff, but from what I heard of it, I liked it. Some other stuff I want to tell you guys about, and that is uh, some of my favorite shows that I saw of 2017. They would include the Foo Fighters at Voodoo Fest in New Orleans. Got a chance to watch from the side of the stage. Was awesome seeing them do their thing. Endless, amazing songs. Incredible crowd, as you would imagine. It's uh, it's pretty amazing seeing the Foo Fighters at this point in their career. And I love watching Taylor Hawkins play drums, man. But just so many great songs. Did an hour and a half, really tight, concise set. Dave Grohl couldn't tell too many stories because they had a short set, but <laughs> it, maybe that was a good thing because they just pounded through the songs. Foo Fighters at Voodoo Fest were killer. As I already mentioned, the Struts, who I also saw later that night or that that same weekend in New Orleans at House of Blues. Can't wait to see them live again. Metallica. Saw Metallica twice in 2017. The big stadium show at Giant Stadium. Took my son. It was his first ever metal show. Lars was couldn't have been cooler and, and nicer and uh, had a wonderful, wonderful time there which was really very nice of those guys to to do for me. But as much as I enjoyed seeing Metallica with all that production and, and all of that uh, stage show, I love seeing shows in smaller venues. I'm not a huge fan of shows in a stadium setting. And in 2017, earlier in the year, I also got a chance to see Metallica play at Webster Hall a way smaller venue, like a 2,000-capacity venue, which was a invite fan club show in New York. That was incredible. One of the best Metallica shows I ever saw. So to be able to see a stadium band in a small setting, always very special, although Metallica certainly knows their way around a stadium and can do it as be- better than anyone, and of course it's cool seeing the big screens and the fireworks and all that. 
getting back to the way I originally saw Metallica when they first started was incredibly special. Metallica at Webster Hall, phenomenal. And you can apply that same logic to Guns N' Roses, who I saw a couple times as well. Dodger Stadium, I saw uh, Guns N' Roses, great shows. But seeing Guns N' Roses at the Apollo in a private Sirius XM show, which I broadcast the pre- and post-show of and actually introed the band at, it was a very special night for me. Apollo Theater in Harlem, Guns N' Roses, to have been in the building, to have handled the the Sirius XM coverage, and to have uh, gotten the band out on stage was a really, really special moment. So GNR at the Apollo, we'll see what the future holds in 2018 for Guns N' Roses beyond some shows that have already been announced. Another show that I saw that I loved in 2017 was Queen with Adam Lambert. Second time I saw Queen with Adam Lambert, and this time may have even been better than the previous time. The stage production Queen bought out was unbelievable. A little nod to news to news of the world. Listen, Adam Lambert comes right out during the show. He says, I know I'm not Freddie Mercury. Nobody is. So he deals with it right in the context of the show. Nobody should go to see Queen now expecting it to be the same as with Freddie. It's impossible. But vocally, Adam Lambert does a phenomenal job and when you are dealing with a catalog of music like Queen has, it's impossible to not love hearing those songs live. Queen and Adam Lambert saw that at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Definitely a highlight show as well. Iron Maiden, also at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Book of Souls tour. A lot of questions about Bruce Dickinson. You know, how is he going to do how, coming off of uh, beating cancer, will he be able to sing well? I mean, remember, you're talking tongue cancer, not just cancer. And this is guy's a lead singer. How's his energy going to be? How's his voice going to be? None of it was even a consideration. It didn't even come up. It wasn't even talked about during the tour because Bruce Dickinson nailed it every single night for Maiden's two-hour-plus show. They hit you with a lot of music from the Book of Souls, but they also did a fair amount of other music. Well, it was like a 50-50 set. You know that Maiden, when they have a new album out, they tend to favor that record in the live shows. They certainly did do that, but not to the degree that they played the entire thing and nothing but. So it was a fairly balanced show. Incredible what Iron Maiden do, continuing to sell out arenas all over America with virtually no radio airplay, and they continue to dominate. A travesty that Iron Maiden has not yet been considered for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just as much as it was a travesty that Judas Priest did not get in when they finally showed up on the ballot in 2017. But Maiden, absolute highlight show for me as well. And one last show to mention as far as a highlight show of 2017, and I saw this band just a, a few weeks ago in Tulsa at the historic Canes Ballroom. So glad that I stayed in town an extra day to see them. The band is Alter Bridge. For my money, Alter Bridge is one of the best bands out there currently in existence. Live, they are devastating. Riffs, playing, songs, vocals, it's all real. None of this bull that these other bands do running fake backing tracks. It is real. Alter Bridge is way heavier 
if you do not know the band, then then you may think they are they have some brutally heavy riffs. They also have some beautiful songs as well. So good live. The Last Hero, their latest album, which came out in 16. Absolutely love that record as well. Fortress, the album before it, one of my favorites. Had a chance to see Alter Bridge a couple times live in 2016, uh, 17 rather. Phenomenal band among my favorite live shows of the year. Had a chance to see him in Vegas and in Tulsa. The Tulsa one a little more recent, so that just resonates a little bit more with me. So that's why I picked that particular venue. Some books that I enjoyed in 2017. Pete Way, the Keith Richards of bass and a founding member of one of my favorite bands, UFO, released an autobiography. I think it's called Confessions of Rock's Most Dangerous Man. A fast ride out of here from Pete Way. Probably got to buy it on import. I bought it off Amazon. It wasn't too expensive. It is no secret that Pete Way has battled all sorts of craziness and addictions in his life. When you read this book, if you read it, as you read it, you are amazed that the person who wrote this book that you are reading about is still alive. It's really phenomenal. Incredible story. Also, for the sake of heaviness, my buddy Brian Slagle wrote a book about his 35 years of Metal Blade Records. Great stories, great interviews in there. Highly recommend that. And I just mentioned Iron Maiden, Bruce Dickinson's autobiography, What Does This Button Do? Had a chance to spend time with Bruce. I brought you that interview on the podcast this year, or last year, rather. And his book, uh, I thought it was really interesting because, you know, Maiden, they, they keep things tight to the vest. They don't say a lot. They're, they're a fairly private band. So for Bruce to be the first guy from that band to step out and write an autobiography, I thought was pretty Pretty interesting, and uh, I thought it was great that he got his story out there. Some reissues from 2017 that I enjoyed. Def Leppard's Hysteria, the box set for that, 30th anniversary. Some great bonus content and packaging there. The deluxe edition, also 30th anniversary of Whitesnake's 87 record. Remastered original album, and what I thought was very cool was and listen, it's not the kind of thing you're going to crank up and listen to all the time, but they, they even included the demo writing for the 87 record. So you hear Sykes and Coverdale writing the songs and working out the demos, which I thought was really cool. Huge fan of the first Montrose album, which is super influential from 1973. That got the deluxe reissue treatment by Rhino, including a bonus disc of some live stuff. Definitely worth checking out. Stone Temple Pilots, the 25th anniversary of CORE. I had a big year with Stone Temple Pilots personally. I hosted their first ever interview with their new lead singer, Jeff Gutt. And I also hosted a Sirius XM town hall with the guys in L.A. about the 25th anniversary of CORE when that was released. And that did a, they did a great job with the reissue of that. Metallica Master of Puppets. I've got the three-disc version. Great that Metallica is finally going through their catalog, remastering it, bringing us bonus content. And uh, they're up to puppets and really going to be interesting to see in this new year when they get to end justice if they address the lack of bass and give us an alternate version of the record along with the original. I think that would be cool. Don't know what the guys are thinking. 
we'll find out. But they did a phenomenal job with the first three reissues from their catalog in 2017. We got the Deluxe Master of Puppets. And I mentioned the Winery Dogs earlier. They put out a compilation called Dog Years. It's a Blu-ray of a show from the tour for Hot Streak, as well as a CD with some extra content. You know I love the band. You know my history with them. I'm looking forward to them coming back and doing some stuff again. But in the meantime, to hold us over, check out Dog Years from the Winery Dogs. And then, finally, a few things to look forward to in 2018 that I'm looking forward to, at least. I'm looking forward to the new Judas Priest album and tour. Again, it sucks that Priest are not in the Hall of Fame. It is ridiculous beyond words that they were passed over. But Priest getting ready to go out on the Firepower tour and release a new album. Always exciting to have new music from the metal gods Judas Priest. You never know how much more... These guys have left in the tank, so you have to enjoy it while you can. Looking forward to that tour again with Saxon and Black Star Riders. I'd love to, and I have no idea if it's going to happen, but speaking of the White Snake 87 record, I would love to see John Sykes finally do something. <laughs> a couple years ago, John released snippets from a record. It's never come out. I know the record's been done for years. I have no idea what John's doing. I love John. I'm a huge fan of John's. I am here for John when he's ready. But he's got to be ready, and when he's ready, I look forward to seeing him do his thing again and plug that Les Paul in. Not saying it's going to happen, but it's something I hope happens finally in 2018. Also, what's going to happen with Rush? By all accounts, Rush is pretty much done. We know that. Will Getty or Alex do anything? We'll get that question maybe answered in 2018. Will Mick Mars finally put a record out? He's another guy that put out some snippets and kind of nothing we've heard anything from him. But Mick and I have been in touch. Mick told me to make sure my audience knows he absolutely plans on putting a record out and even told me he wants me to premiere the music on my radio show. So let's hope Mick gets that together for 2018. The Guns N' Roses and or ACDC story I think is huge. Guns N' Roses we know doing some European shows in the summer. Does ACDC continue with Axel? Do they do anything? Does Guns talk about new music or just keep touring? Who knows? That's going to be a big story to watch in 2018. Holograms. The Dio hologram. A lot of controversy about it. I know. Toured in Europe. They're saying it's going to tour in America. How will that be received? Other holograms, Frank Zappa, Roy Orbison. If holograms fly and people accept them and buy tickets, I think you're going to see a ton of holograms trying to go out on tour. If they flop and people don't respond to it and it is not profitable, we'll see it go away. I think 18 is the year we find out about that to some degree. A lot of talk about cell phones and people locking up cell phones at concerts, not allowing cell phones at concerts. On my radio show this year, I had a, a the, the gentleman who started a company called Yonder, which makes you put your company's, your, your cell phones in a pouch and renders, renders them disabled for the time that you are in a live concert or live event. Very polarizing, but artists are getting sick of seeing people looking at their cell phones during shows. 
mixed feelings about this, but this is absolutely an emerging issue as we go into 2018. Jakey Lee, will he do something again? There's talk about it. I've heard from Jake. We'll see if he gets it together. Aerosmith, so special. Steven Tyler's still great, even at this age. Still the original band. You can count on one hand people that still have the original lineup. Saw some footage of them playing at Download where they headlined in England in 2017. Still amazing. Will we get a farewell or otherwise tour for Aerosmith here in the U.S. and maybe a great Aerosmith record? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. And on a personal front, you know, I'm asked daily all the time about that metal show and if it'll come back. Will it come back? I want it back more than anybody, folks. It's way harder than you would think to find a network that believes in it and wants to do it. It is still being shopped. If we find a new home, we are all in. I don't control what happens, but I would love to see it happen more than anyone. Trust me. But on a related note on TV, I started shooting a new series for Access TV in 2017 called Trunk Fest, which has me out there covering music festivals around the country. Got four episodes done. As we get into festival season for 2018, I'll finish off another four or six, and that series will debut in 2018. So I'm very excited personally for a new TV series to launch with me called Trunk Fest on Access TV in this new year. More details about that when I have them as far as a launch date. So there you go. A little bit of a mixed bag. You got my records. You got some highlights for next year. You got a few other things from last year. And uh, I thought it'd be a good way to do our first podcast of 2018. I wish you all a very happy, healthy, great 2018 and very happy, healthy new year. Remember, connect with me, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is the website. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She puts together the Eddie Trunk podcast and produces it each and every week. And I seriously, gratefully thank each and every one of you for your support, whether you connect with me on radio, TV, this podcast, live shows, live appearances, whatever it is. Thank you. 35 years I've been doing this this year in 2018, and I greatly appreciate all the support, however it comes. It's all about trying to keep the music we love alive and out there, and uh, you guys help me do that. So thank you for caring about what I do. So that wraps it up. Hope you enjoyed it. Next Thursday, another all-new episode. We'll get back to doing interviews and all the usual stuff that we do. Have a great week. Again, Happy New Year. And I'll see you next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, podcastone.com or iTunes.
Podcast One has new shows on our new app. Check out all the cool features to help you explore our exciting new programming, like America's Lakers Podcast with Jay Moore, So Random with Corinne Olympios, Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's Podcast, Not Just Sports with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen, and Sessions with Randy Jackson, as well as your old favorites like The Lady Gang, Steve Austin, Shaquille O'Neal, and Adam Carolla. Get the new Podcast One app in the App Store, Google Play, or PodcastOne.com. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.